Good morning again. It's been a little bit since I've been up here, right? just a few minutes, but good to see you all this morning. If you would be taking your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is the passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning. We're going to take this chapter and, and walk through what some have called the, the love chapter, the, the chapter that deals with, well, love and, and getting ready for Valentine's Day. Everyone's ready for Valentine's Day, right? You're you're geared up and pumped and ready to go. I, every year I have this conversation with my wife. I believe Valentine's Day is put on by Hershey's and the teddy bear industry. To Anyway, it's, it's not a fun conversation for her, but I enjoy a rant, a good rant about uh, against Valentine's Day. That's not what I'm going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about love and what love actually is because I feel like as you look at the culture around us, it's like they, they want to hijack love and make love into something it's not. Like it, if you look at the, the culture in, that we live in, it's almost like it looks more like lust than what Christian love actually is. And so I want to take this morning and I want us to walk through the biblical definition of love, something that's really countercultural. Uh, when you think about the way that we describe love in our culture versus the way that the Bible describes love. And so that really excites you, right? You're like, man, that's going to be terrible. But no, follow along with me. Begin in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13. Paul the Apostle, writing to the people in Corinth, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I want us to start this morning by saying that love is the difference maker. Love is the difference between what it looks like to uh, follow Christ and what it looks like to not follow Christ. Love is the difference between what Paul says here of speaking uh, in a way that, that is pleasing to the Lord and in a way that is simply making noise. Like love is the difference between true worship and just wasting time. The, the, the Corinthian people that Paul was writing to had be, begun to believe that their tongue, that speaking in tongues, the prophetic gifts, these different things that God had given them was the most important thing. And so they began to rank each other. They began to say, well, I speak in tongues, so I'm up here, and you don't, so you're down here. And so they, they began to have these different categories of people within their church that they would try to outdo, that they would somehow be better than. And so Paul writes to them and he says, listen, guys, if you have the most beautiful voice in the world and you speak the most beautiful language you speak the language of angels but you don't have love he says it's it's worthless it's nothing more than noise it's nothing more than pots and pans uh, clanging around it's nothing more than somebody beating on a drum to annoy you he says that's what it is without love love is truly the difference makers, the difference between doing something that's pleasing to the Lord and wasting our time. When he says here, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I, I mean, what better gifting can you think of than be able to tell what's going to happen? 
or be able to explain things that people around you don't understand or have all knowledge, be able to understand the things that no one else can know. He says, if I have the whole Bible memorized and I know everything there is to know about God and I don't have love, I'm nothing. He says, if I have all faith, here he says, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains. And so he says, if I believe to the point, if I have faith to to the point, I can walk up to a mountain and say, you're in the wrong place, you need to move. But I don't have love. I am nothing. And he goes on, if I give away all I have, if I give away everything I have to help other people, if I sacrifice everything that I am to help the people around me, if I go to the point of serving Christ and of worshiping His name and of standing up for Him in the face of persecution, even if I allow myself to be burned rather than uh, denounce Jesus, He says, and have not love, I am nothing. Guys, it doesn't get, as far as Christian service goes, as far as Christian gifting goes, it doesn't get any more amazing than this list that Paul gives us. And he says, if I can do all of this stuff, but I don't have love, it's worthless and pointless. Love is the difference between true service and selfishness. It's the difference between serving the Lord and just showing out. That love is truly the difference maker. In fact, Jesus said this in John 13, uh, 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's saying the same thing that uh, Paul said here, which is the difference between you and everyone else is the way that you have love for one another. The fact that you love each other the way that I loved you. He is saying when people look at you, the difference that is going to be made in your life between you and them is the way that you love each other. God's love is that, that essential ingredient that sets us apart from everyone else. Jesus says this is what's going to make you different than the world around you. The fact that you love each other the way that I have loved you. The, the difference between the people who follow Jesus and the people who don't is the way that we love each other. Love is the difference maker. It is the ingredient that we must have to follow after Christ. It is what gives us our distinctiveness within the world that we live in. And so Paul says love is the difference maker. Secondly, I want to see that love is visible faith. And we see this in verses 4 through 6. He lists out what love is and then what love is not. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And so Paul says, this is what love is, and then this is what love is not. In other words, this is visible faith. This is our faith working itself out in our lives. He begins to define it for us. Love is one of those things that's hard to define, isn't it? it? When we start talking about love, we have to Put down some definitions. Is it, you know, what I used to call warm fuzzies, or what my teachers called warm fuzzies? I don't know if y'all ever had to do that, but we would give each other warm fuzzies in class. Did y'all do that? Or am I the only class that ever did that? Like it was this little fuzzball, and you put it on somebody's desk that gave you warm fuzzies. 
That was their definition of love. Well, the New Testament has a little different definition of love. In fact, it never says anything about love feels. It's more about what love does. And so love has a different definition than what we look at in our culture. In fact, some Greek scholars, that, when talking about love, talking about this word agape, they say that in Greek culture, they didn't really use this word. It was a, a word that was not well used until Jesus came along, and they needed to figure out a way to define or describe this type of uh, love, this type of relationship that believers had with one another. It's a, something that is other and completely unique to the, the Christian uh, culture and to the, the Christian community. And so Paul goes through here, and he says, love is Patient. Well, patient, I'm glad he started with that one. That one's easy. Let's just move on to the next one. Right? I mean, I don't have a problem with patience at all. I'm lying, of course. I do have a problem with patience. And, and I'm really sad that he started off with that because it's, I mean, it's convicting. As I've been working through this sermon this week, I think about all the times I am not patient, all the times that I am ready for God to get on my timetable and get off of his. I'm, I'm tired of having to... I, I get tired of having to repeat myself to my children. I told you to clean your room like 20 minutes ago. What are you doing sitting in the floor? Right? I mean, that, that patience of waiting on other people to catch up to where we are, where we think they ought to be. Y'all ever struggle with patience? Like, it's been green for like 30 minutes now, dude. You can go. Right? I mean, it, I, you know, I called in this order an hour ago. What do you mean it's not ready? Patience is something that, if we're not careful, we won't show the way that God has called us to show it. You see, when we truly trust in Christ, we truly believe in Him, we'll wait. We'll wait on other people to catch up. Jesus is a perfect example of what patience looks like. You want to talk about just unreal patience, you talk about the way that He walked with His disciples. Think about Thomas, for example. Thomas, one of the disciples of Jesus, Jesus had told his, his, His guys, He told His disciples, He said, guys, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, but in three days later, I'm going to rise again. They didn't really understand. They didn't really believe. But what happened? Jesus went to the cross. He died. And then he rose again on the third day. Then he appears to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas, being one of the twelve, wasn't there. And so they go and they say, hey, Thomas, Jesus rose from the dead. And his response was, yeah, I didn't see it with my own two eyes. And guys, I'm going to tell you. If I can't see with my own two eyes, if I don't see him with my own two eyes, and if I can't put my hand in his side where they stabbed him with a spear, and I can't put my finger in the holes in his hands, I will never believe. That was Thomas, one of the men who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, said, I won't believe unless I can touch him myself. So Jesus' response is to appear before Thomas and say, Thomas, come put your hand here, man. Put your fingers here. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. That's patience. That's saying you're not where you need to be yet, but I'm going to help you get there. I'm going to do it kindly. Patience and kindness should be markers of the people who follow Jesus. We should be known as patient people. We should be known as kind people. People who offer soft words, not harsh words. This is what it means to love. Love is kind. Also, love is not competitive. He says love does not envy. Now, that one's even easier than patience, right? We never want what someone else has, and we never begrudge someone for having more than we do. Tell that to every group of siblings you've ever met. 
You want to see envy, you give one kid an ice cream cone and don't give the other one one. Unless they're like lactose intolerant or something, right? I mean, they're going to be upset. Why did you give them an ice cream cone and not me? I mean, to this day, my brother believes I'm the favorite. He's like, oh, he's the chosen one. I'm like, I can't help it. That's just what it is. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think he's more favorite than I am, but that's a conversation we have constantly. But, but we do, right? I mean, we have a struggle with envy. We have a struggle of wanting what other people have. And it's a very bad when it spills over into the church. It's very bad when we are followers of Jesus and we begin to envy. We'll say things like when people have stuff we don't have, oh, they're just spoiled. Spooled rotten, i tell you what. They're wasteful. I can't believe they spent their money on that. Or at least I ain't got their payments, I'll tell you what. I mean, and what we're saying is I wish I had what they had, but I've got to figure out a reason why I'm better than them anyway. When what we should be doing is rejoicing with them and their good fortune. Well, what happens in the church is we look around and we see people serving the Lord, doing well, doing what God has called them to. And we look at our own life and it's a mess and we begin to say, mm-hmm, putting on their church face. Sure enough, they, they surely, no one's that perfect. No one's that in love with Jesus. No one's ever going to be that, you know, that much of a Christian. And so we begin to envy them or we say, well, why are they getting all this attention? Don't everybody know what I did? Doesn't everybody know how special I am? I ain't never got a certificate like that. I haven't ever got that. Why, why do they get all this special privilege? That's what was going on in this church that Paul's writing to. He, he's writing to them and they are upset with each other because one is looking better than the other and they don't like it. And so they're fighting constantly because one feels more special than the other. And so they begin to be envious. God's love is not envious. Love is not selfish. Love is not self-centered. Paul says that love is not boastful or arrogant or rude or insists on its own way. This is a big one too. If you're not careful, you won't be full of love. You'll be full of yourself. And so when you begin to speak, your favorite topic will be you. You'll only want to talk about all the good things you have done. You only want to hear about all the good things you have done. So you begin to brag and boast and make sure everybody knows how amazing you are. Or you, you go from there to being arrogant and believing that you really are better. That you deserve more. Of course you deserve this. Look at who you are. Look at what you've overcome. Look at all you've accomplished. Surely they should know you're, you should stand in a place of honor and a place of respect. You begin to demean other people to promote your false narrative about who you are. So you begin, you begin to be arrogant. You begin to talk about yourself. And then you begin to talk about other people. You become rude. And when you speak to them, of course you're rude. I mean, why wouldn't you be? They need to know who you are. They need to know that you don't care what they think. Because, I mean, you are who you are. You become arrogant. You become rude. And you begin to insist on your own way when you're not showing the love of Christ. Of course I deserve my way. Don't they know who I am? Don't they know how important I am? To put it in, a, in another phrase or common vernacular, love does not pick the place to eat. <laughs> right? I mean, when we, when we believe that it's all about us, when we believe the world uh, exists to serve us, when we believe that other people exist to serve us, we believe that we should pick everything. What show to watch, what music to listen to, where to go, when to get there. 
Everybody just needs to get on my timetable. Everybody just needs to do what I tell them to and everything will be okay. Why? Because we know who we are. We know we're better than them and they just need to realize our worth. Paul says that's not love. That's the opposite of love. That's what love is not. You see, faith made visible. Visible faith is faith that believes that Jesus is the reason we are saved. You see, real faith, trust in Christ, believes that we don't actually have anything to be proud of. That anything good in us has come from Him. All good gifts come down from the Father of lights. That anything we have from Him is by His grace and by His mercy. Not by our ability or by our, our worth, but by who He is. And so when we understand that and we believe that, now all of a sudden we really don't have anything left to brag about. Because anything we're going to talk about is from Him. Now all of a sudden other people should get their way because God has shown us grace, so we might as well show them grace. And so love is not self-centered. It is not focused on us. It is focused on others. Love also erases the score. Paul says here, love is not bitter. Or another way to translate that is love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not keep reminding the people around us what they did wrong. Love does not bring up old stuff, if you will. It, it's really hard to have a good relationship with people in your life if every time you have a disagreement, you pull up things and hold it over their head that they did wrong in the past. Now, d- just to use uh, Crystal and I as an example, she's not here this morning, and so I think I can do this, but over the last 11 years, about how long we've been married, you know, she's done some things she ought not to have done. And I remember all of them, like all two of them, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's probably more like three or four, but... I've done things that I shouldn't have done. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I've not said things I should have said. Then, you know, didn't celebrate Valentine's Day the way I probably should have. Things like that. And so as we, as we go through the last 11 years, there are all sorts of wrongs that have been committed against each other. Guys, if every time we talked or every time we got in an argument, we brought up everything that's been done between us, you know what's going to happen? We're going to be bitter. We're going to be angry. We sure aren't going to have a good relationship. And, and so, so within the, just looking at the marriage relationship, it's impossible to continue on together if you're not going to let the old stuff go. If every time something comes up, you bring it back, it's going to be a problem. But here's the deal. Paul's not writing just to marry people. He's actually writing to a community of believers called a church. Within the church body, after a few years, a few months probably, People say things they ought not say. People do things they ought not do. People don't do the things they should do. And if we're not careful, we'll keep score. We'll begin to write it down, maybe not physically, but in our mind. And when we see those people, all we can think of is what they've done that they shouldn't have done. Or all we'll think about is things they didn't do that they should have done. You know how hard it is to have a relationship with someone if that's your attitude? impossible Paul says love is not bitter love starts every day off with the score of zero zero it doesn't keep score of wrongs committed love erases sin and it, it erases the, the wrongs that have been committed so that you can start scratch love is not going to continue to hold over people's heads what they've done it's going to move past and show the forgiveness that Christ has shown us. How did, how did Jesus forgive us? If we're talking about loving each other the way that, 
Jesus has loved us. What did He do? He, did He forgive us? And then every time we mess up, be like, mm-hmm, remember you did this. Remember you did that? No, He forgave us. He washed us clean in the blood and, and He threw our sins as far as the east from the west. He threw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, right? So why do we think that we can be loving and continue to keep score? Continue to bring this stuff up? No, we must. We must forgive. We must move on. So love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love does not keep a scoreboard. Love forgives. Also, love rejoices in truth and not evil. And here, here's what I mean. He, he says that you don't rejoice when people do bad, but you rejoice when people do good. Uh, one commentator put it this way. He said, No taint of evil can enhance or give pleasure to love. Where love is genuine, love takes no pleasure in someone else's failure and delights in integrity and reality. If the situation is bad, love wants to help. If the situation is good, love wants to celebrate. And so what he's saying here is instead of looking at someone who messes up and saying, they finally got what's coming to them. Told you so. Mess with me, that's what happens. Get on my prayer list. Instead of looking at someone who is hurting and down and kicking them, we look at them and we say, how can we help them up? You see, love does not rejoice when others fail and when others fall. Love runs to see how they can lift them up and get them back on the path, get them back where they're headed. Love does not go around and tell everybody else, you'll never believe what they're doing. Mm-hmm. No, love prays and goes and ministers. And the flip side of that is love rejoices when others do good and when others do well. And when it turns out that they are who they say they are. And when they're walking with Christ. And so love prays for that and love looks for that. Someone who's filled with Christ and not filled with themselves. Someone who's filled with love and not filled with themselves is going to look for opportunities to speak of the good, not the bad. Rather than being a gossiper, they're going to be someone who preaches about the goodness of God in the life of those around them. This is not our natural tendency, is it? This goes against the grain. You know how I know, like, tabloids are still in. Like, they're still in the, like, everything else, all other printed media, it seems like they're having a hard time. Tabloids, they're, they're booming. Why? Because we love gossip. Why do you think social media is so popular? We love gossip. We love to catch little snippets of other people's lives that we can pick apart and hold under us so that we can judge and make ourselves feel better. No, that's not love. Love is believing the best about the people around us. Believing that God is at work in them. Which brings me uh, to the next one, which is love is indestructible. Verse 7 says this, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love has this ability to stay firm in the middle of whatever struggle you're having based on what is to come, based on the hope that we have in Christ. And, and so what Paul is saying here is, is that love cannot be destroyed by anything. It says love is going to make it through. Love is going to continue on. And, and here, here's what I mean so that you, you hear me out. I read, I read the story about a husband and a wife who'd been fighting and they really couldn't communicate with each other. You ever get to that point where like, you begin to try and work through your issues, but it just ends in yelling? Like, I mean, or just total shutdown of communication. And so the wife got frustrated and she said, you know what we're going to do? Instead of yelling at each other, instead of having this, you know, what we call communication, let's sit down, you sit over there and I'm going to sit here and we're going to write down everything we're frustrated with the other person about. 
Rather than speaking it, we're just going to write it down, get all of our thoughts out on a piece of paper. And so then they sat down across from each other, and they began to write. The wife began to write, and she looked over, and the husband, he was just mad. He was just over there, just bearing down, writing as hard as he could. He was mad. You could see it in his face. He just kept on writing. She's like, oh, yeah, well, I've got a few things I need to write down, too. And so she kept on, and she looked up, and he was still just writing away. And he would look up and get mad again. He'd begin to write some more. And, and so she looked up, she's like, oh, really? Well, I, can, I got some more, too, then. Okay, we're, we're going to play like that, you know. And so they go at it for a little bit. Then finally, she's like, I, I'm out. And so she, she stops, she lays her pen down, and he's over there just writing, still writing and writing and writing. And finally, he stops. And she said, okay, let's change. And so she hands him his piece of paper, and she gets his, and on his, he had written, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. I don't want to be here right now. I'm so angry with you. I can't even talk, but I love you. And we're going to work this out. We're going to figure this out. I love you. Over and over and over again. Of course, she wanted to grab her paper right back. (laughs) But... That's what Paul was talking about. The love that no matter what happens, we're going to make it. We're going to get through this. We're not going to quit. We're going to figure a way through this. And so he says, that's what love is. And again, I I use the example for marriage, but who Paul's talking to is the church. And he's saying, we ought to have the relationship within the body of believers that say, I don't care what has happened. I don't care what has taken place. I love you and I'm not out. We're going to figure this out together. We're going to serve the Lord together. We're going to do what it takes to please the Lord together. No matter how angry I get, no matter how much I want to quit, no matter how much I want to walk away, the love I have for Christ, and because of the love I have for Christ, I have love for you, we're going to work this together. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to love His people. I'm going to do whatever I can to serve Him and serve them. We face struggles. We face trials but love conquers all love is indestructible in spite of everything we go through we can still love each other we can still show compassion we can still forgive and continue on but but love is also forever paul says this in verse eight he says love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. When everything else is said and done, when there's nothing left... Love will remain. And so Paul lists out these things. He says if it's prophecies you're talking about or preachers you're talking about, they're going to go away. Guys, think about it. When we stand before Christ and we see God as we are seen, we're not going to need a preacher. I'm going to be out of job. Why? I don't have to tell you about God anymore. We don't have to look at His Word anymore. We will see Him face to face. We won't need people to encourage us through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We won't need that. We'll be with Him. There'll be no more temptations to resist. Our faith will become sight. Our hope will be realized. But for all eternity, we will rejoice and get to experience the love of God. 
And the love that we have for Him, love will never end. One man said it this way. He said, love is not merely the Christian duty, it is the Christian's destiny. And his point was, is that love is actually where we're headed. Love is what we will get to experience forever and ever and ever. We'll never stop experiencing the love. And so Paul says, in light of all that, pursue love. Quit worrying about everything else. Quit worrying about whether or not someone thinks of you less than they think of themselves. Quit trying to outdo each other and simply love one another in the name of Christ. Quit worrying about ranking. Quit worrying about what people owe you. And simply love them in the name of Jesus the way that Jesus has loved you. That's what we're called to do, guys. Super simple and extremely impossible. The same time. Just love each other in the name of Jesus. The way that He has loved us. That means sacrificing everything for each other. That means forgiving each other. That means moving along together with each other. And when we have this love from Christ for each other, well then, we're indestructible. Our relationship is not able to be destroyed. So I'm going to ask you this morning, does this characterize your life? Are, are you someone whose life is marked by love? Like if people look at your life, are you someone who is patient and kind? Or are you someone who expects everyone else to bend to your will? Like as you think about your life, are you someone who thinks of others and what they need? Or are you someone who thinks of what you need and how everybody needs to get on board? Are you someone who thinks that other folks need to realize your giftings? Or are you someone who tries to lift other people up and talk about their giftings? What, what would describe you this morning? See, love is the difference maker, guys. I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that. Love really does make the difference. When we love Christ and we love each other, what we do matters. According to Paul, if you are not loving Christ and loving each other, then what you do doesn't matter. The love that we have for one another and for Him is going to be the difference. Think of it this way. If you tell somebody the most profound truth they've ever heard about Jesus and about how much He loves them, and they're like, man, that's wonderful. And then just a few days later, you go off on them about some silly little nothing. How much validity is your statement going to have at that point? You see, so often we undo what God has done through an act of unloving behavior. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you this week. Think about those folks that you're keeping a record against. Rip it up and tear up the bill. Throw it away. You don't owe me nothing anymore. I'm just going to serve the Lord through loving you. I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. Those folks in your life, they're a little bit more difficult, a little slower. Don't seem to catch up to where you are as quickly as you ought to. Show them patience and kindness. Show them love and compassion. Show them the same attitude that you hope Jesus shows you, that Jesus has shown you. Wiping away your debt and being patient with you as you slowly learn what it means to follow Him. I want to challenge you to think about the people at your job that just get under your skin. Show them love. Show them patience. Show them kindness. Don't try and outdo them. Don't try to impress them. Don't be envious of them. Simply love them in the name of Jesus. Those people in your family, those people that you hope I don't mention the category they fall in so you don't have to deal with it this week. Pray for them. Love them. Ask God to show you how you can serve Christ through loving them. 
Guys, if you want an example of what love looks like, you want an example of how we love one another, you go back to Jesus. Don't use the, the, the world's definition of love. You go to Christ and look at the way that He has loved you. Jesus came. He didn't have to come, but He came anyway. And as He came, He lived this life that was perfect. And He helped all the people He came in contact with. He fed the poor. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He did everything He was supposed to do according to the Father's will. And He was killed because He gave up His life. His life wasn't taken from Him. He gave it up. He gave everything up so that we could spend eternity with Him. That's the ultimate picture of love. The ultimate definition of love. He said that some people may die for a righteous man. He said that, that, or in another place, he said to his disciples, he said, this is love, that you would die for your friends. He laid down his life for his disciples. Will you lay down your life for each other this week? In the same vein, if you have never received this ultimate gift of love, if you've never put your faith in him, you've never trusted in him, you've never said, Lord, I, I need your love, I need your forgiveness, Would you experience that this morning? He he said, whoever trusts in me, whoever believes on me, whoever will ask me for forgiveness will not perish but have everlasting life. Would you declare to the world this morning that you're going to follow Jesus and serve him and take hold of this love that he offers? If you would stand with us, and as you stand, I'm going to pray for us, and after I pray, we're going to have a time of prayer and a time of just responding to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Lord, I pray that we would show love to one another the way that you've called us to show love. God, I pray that we would reflect your glory uh, and your grace through the way that we treat one another this week. And Lord, I pray that those here who don't know you, Lord, those who've never trusted on Christ, Lord, that you would call them to yourself, that you would save them, that you would redeem them. And those that do, that they would... I preach the gospel, not just through what they say, but also through what they do this week. Lord, help us to be loving people. Help us to be the most easygoing, kind, and patient people that we know. Lord, help us to be uh, loving and humble before the world around us. Help us to serve you in this way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come as we sing?